Good. Here we all are again. Ajahn Sitito and I are going to respond to some of the questions that have been sent through. I think each of us are offering responses, but it's very different than being able to engage with you and actually make sure this what we're taking as the meaning of your question was actually what was intended. So I hope you receive them in that spirit. Starting off, recommendations for maintaining mindfulness going to sleep, usually at night and waking in the morning. Maybe I just say a little and then pass it over to the Ajahn. Yeah, so when we considered this question, really felt like it was in the territory of, you know, there's well, waking, sleeping, and there's all this going to work, there's the ways we actually, you know, are energetically having to move through a day. So how do we maintain mindfulness through it all? Yeah. And even that intention's important, isn't it? That commitment, that sense of yeah, let, let's not drop this. So both of us have been talking about staying really embodied, and that seems to be one of the keys and the sense of uprightness because what I find myself in engagement, I kind of get energetically pulled out. So it's really about coming back into alignment. And then you know, going to sleep, kind of finishing off the day, there are recollections that really help to establish mindfulness out there, that sense of recollecting the goodness that we've received in the day, you know, letting that be swept, massaged through the heart, our good intention. You know, so reflective quality. And then we, we're actually you know, establishing sleep in a careful way, you know, this whole new phenomena of sleep hygiene. So it's really respectful, understanding what sleep is about, this replenishment. And I don't know about you, but as the retreat's gone on, you know, sleep is disappearing from my system. So then it's just, for me, it's lying, and I lie just with that sense of butthole, you know, just awake, just keeping the mind in something wholesome, pointing to what is really beautiful. Because yeah? when we lie to sleep, the mind can start feeding on unwholesome things you know, because of it, the energy's lower. So we really guard, we guard the heart and we really place mindfulness on something that sustains well-being and goodness. Yeah. That's what I would say. And then when I wake up, you know, to really set a clear intention, establish the heart and loving kindness, sense of having the intention to meet the day you know, from that place. So intention really helps because it's so intrinsic to experience the chitta. So we set these clear intentions. And then there are all kinds of things, you know, people use to remind them, you know, to be here. But that's just some... Opening comments, I don't. Establish right view. Mindfulness should be based upon right view. So, this is acknowledgement of causes and effects, good and bad deeds. Uh, that we're really, what we experience is not a person, not a self, 
essentially it, it seems like a self which really of massive energies and psychologies and patterns and behaviors that are interacting you know and I guess these is sort of like a lot of these um hinge points in a day you know beginning of it is like ooh, you're actually going to try to activate that field into some kind of shape and uh, I don't want to wake up with that thank you <laughs> I want to wake up like waking up is like really waking up there's no next you know <laughs> it's like waking up letting letting things come together so I I tend to it's it's a funny pattern sleeping or waking because I also um, you know have things that are not quite asleep not quite awake you know fully awake also twilight zones I find those interesting zones to be in because it's it's like almost like childhood again like I haven't got the patterns running yet and so it's, I think it's good to lengthen that twilight. You know, so you don't just zonk out and, and then surge out, bed in the morning, rush off, get going. Because, uh, you know, you've got a whole, you know, a whole field of, of sensitive effects there. You start throwing it around, you know, particularly along these habitual patterns before you've really established wisdom. You know, you can start the day on a wrong foot altogether. So my sense is wake up gently. You know, allow the light to enter. It's light, of course, dark. Allow allow seeing to enter. Allow allow the body to return because in sleep the chitta you know, moves out, you know, really returning to embodiment. You know, weight of your body, pressure, whatever blankets on you or whatever. I think the first thing is wait till there's willingness. See the energy build up. It's a series of causes and effects, field effects. Let it come to a little bit gradually. If it means setting your clock ten minutes earlier, give yourself five or ten minutes to unfold, and then slowly get things moving so these because you don't want to just jump into your old programs really ideally you wake up you should wake up fresh not like groundhog day you know here we go again <laughs> you know try to wake up like it's the first day and how do you do that well your body you go back to your body before you're a person you're a body and you feel that breathing system happening, the body kind of, yeah. just be with that, it's quite, quite a nice time. Yeah. And at the end of the day, similarly, like you pack everything up quite respectfully. Yeah. Yeah. Duties are never finished, work is never finished, it's always you've got to see. Because now, the problem, you've got energetic problems, one is momentum, you just keep the wheels rolling. And it's very difficult to stop the rolling. The other is inertia. You can't get the wheels going. You don't want to go. <laughs> so, so particularly, you know, you've got to learn how to handle momentum energy because there's always a bit more 
a bit more you could make do tidy fix in this person the energy is now out of balance you know out of balance you start to run on compulsion yeah. that's totally understandable but ooh, you know, it's lift you know, lift you know, what's again that body you know, the whole body down to your feet if you lose it you come up into your head ideas whole body down to your feet and then it's really helpful to cultivate discharge that's why now sleep is now become you have to train themselves to sleep you have mind retreats dedicated to sleeping because people don't have to do it anymore you know because we're hooked up to the machinery it doesn't sleep it just switches off we don't switch off and that thing something will always be buzzing at you so you've got to learn how to discharge unhook discharge Stimulation is easy. Discharge takes a bit of practice. And that's what breathing out is about. And really letting it sink and loosening. Discharge. 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 Do that properly, you can be much more replenished. Because what happens if you don't discharge, your energy is, is, is stuck and it doesn't refresh. It's it seems a lot of energy is there, but it's it's unhealthy energy, it's overactive energy. You know, it's hyper. And every energy should travel in a phase of graduated arousal. Okay, let's rise up. Doing and then graduated discharge. Now you notice in the general work there's no discharge time. Very little coffee break is take more stimulants. So you've got to build in those discharges. And uh, you know, so before you finish the day you really got to say, okay, tonight I'm dying. This is the end of it. I'm dead. This is the last night. I'm finished. I'm dead. You know, sorry, didn't get my socks washed. That's it. And practice that. What happens if it is your last night? You know, do you want to go out worrying about tomorrow? Mental, we just say, okay, thank you very much, Dave. Thank you. I think I've learned something. Release. Release. The future. And the possibilities in the altars. Release. And use your body to release. As if it is your last night. One day it will be. Okay, this is the sense world. In the karmic world, take leave. Respectfully, take leave. Moving in and out. One time, one sometime, it'll be the last out there. Practice that if it's the last out there. And you say goodbye. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you for the good word to leave on. Uh, if you write, like you might practice reclining meditation, I, I, I generally do it on my back and keep the axis in mind. It's quite formal in a way because it's quite, you know, it's, it's not fetal, it's, it's open. You've got the axis, the open body, maybe you put your hands on the chest or whatever, and you maintain awareness of that 
line, and a line across. Imagine you've got a canopy, and the line there open, open but stay stable, and, and that's a very blessed mudra for the body to be in. We're opening to that which is bigger than us, more than this sort of being. And that's a good way to then just gently go with recollections, past recollections, very small thoughts, a lot of lingering, a lot of savouring, taking peaceful, you can rest, rest deeply. And, uh, you know, now we have this thing where you've got the eight hour sleep thing and the rest of the day you're busy working. That's not, that's not right. Generally, I think healthy is like you get two or three hours deep sleep and a bit of wakefulness, and then maybe another two or three hours more sleep, a bit more wakefulness, and uh, then just try to take little naps in the day. Ten minutes to just try, <laughs> whether you need it or not, just as a practice. Because this momentum energy is very so encouraged in our world. Oh, it's absolutely encouraged. People stress themselves. The nervous system's wrecked. And still pumping it. So you've got to do that. Use those times to replenish them. Use your waking moment to just what's the intention now. Be aware of that. Be vulnerable to that moment. Be open to that moment. Be careful your intention. Maybe your attention should be to practice mindfulness, establish sati, stay embodied. That's enough. Thank you. Yeah, because if we don't, in the way, discharge, if we don't come out of that momentum, and if we sleep and we wake up again, and the anxiety there, you know, people get up. Because with the anxiety, the stuff they have to do, certainly, you know, it's something I have to guard against for myself. Mm-hmm. Particularly, you know, there can be so much we feel we're expected to attend to, yeah, this unmeetable amount, yeah? So how to not start the day running, already kind of heckled and off balance. So, yeah, to, to really stop and establish seems to me critical, this kind of uprightness, intention of body, kind of gentleness, kindness. Yeah, so we take that as what's meeting the flow of things. Yeah, life can have tremendous demands coming. So it's to really guard ourselves in that. So sometimes I just say to myself, does this really need doing? It says it does, but, you know, putting down what can be put down so that by the end of the day I'm not completely frayed. So that when we come to go to sleep, it's not, it isn't that this whole system's just desperate to um, switch off. Yeah, we can actually moderate these transitions. It's hard, yeah. There can be tremendous pressure from up, seemingly from outside. 
So to really take care. There's another question here. No, I'm wondering whether there is a relationship between being sensitive and taking something personally. If I take something personally, is that because I'm sensitive or just because I have at that time a view of self and other? Maybe we, I don't know, open with that question. Mm. Well, yeah. Chitta heart awareness is sensitive. Yeah, it is sensitive. And uh, that means often it builds all kinds of defences to stop impact happening. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But the defences tend to have cracks in them. And so, Chitta also, though it's universally sensitive, um, it gets gets like um, extremely sensitive around particularly poignant, striking um, uh, impressions. You know. so, um, so the particular meanings that something extremely sensitive to um, taking responsibility, you know, jump into that, jumping. You know, um, and whatever is, whatever chitta experiences tends to be experiences of myself. And the particular patterns of that of those responses and also the things that touch me, that touch the chitta, the eye tune that seems to the particular qualities that you know I notice. I'm sensitive to colours or sounds or fragrances or you know certain kinds of people or certain messages get me ooh, moving and people are different you know some people can walk through a, a, a room it's a chaos and just walk through it so other people just got to go around tidying it all up say so you see the same thing but people have different sensitivities to it and so and that the particular pattern of those sensitivities this is what my you know, my, my specific self is you know, specific contours of, of this self. Yeah. And so then anything that touches those things, you know, like a dirty room or something, I'm very activated by. The degree of activation, how triggered I get, that also seems to be me getting triggered. And activated around the things that I take seriously, other people don't seem to notice much at all. So yeah, that that becomes myself. Now you can't say, oh, don't take it, don't do that, <laughs> because it's not it's not a choice; it's a reflex. Um, and so essentially, what we really, uh, what I recommend doing is just trying to. Um, Acknowledge this experience and not, oh, I'm sort of a bit weird, oh, I'm a control freak, I'm a busybody, I'm a whatever. Don't bother with that. It doesn't get you any useful. Just expand your attention and cover the entire field of being affected, of being touched by things, and seeing things that touch you. And see if you can, at that point, there's the time when the first thing to do is to. Re- Return to your stable place, your upright axis, the soles of your feet, your out-breath, whatever your mooring post is. 
when you get touched by something, get to that. So you can check the activation. Not to stop it, just to check it. You say, just pause. Because you've done this many times. And every time you keep doing it, you, you, you etch that pattern in more deeply. You pause. You find that stable place and review the situation again. Look at it again. How much it, you see, because that pausing allows you to be wise about that, that thing, that thing that touches you, say a messy room or something. Just pause. Then wisely. This is a room. It's not where I like it. it seems disagreeable. Mm-hmm. Where does me come into that? Where does it become my job? My place? Where does that come in? Mm-hmm. Is that, is that really necessary? Is it inevitable? Could it just be like that? So it's the compulsiveness that we want to check. And then certainly see things that it's not the way I would see it or, just, or agree with it. But that's that. Mm-hmm. I'm staying within my own presence, energies of this. And I might decide, yeah, I'd like to help out. Or I might think, just a minute. You're pretty busy now. You know, and it would be good for you to learn how to be more equanimous with things being not, you know, with this being touched by stuff. Allow yourself to be touched by stuff and go to the, go to the still point. Because it's a practice. So otherwise it's, uh, you know, everything. And this, this person view can take over the entire planet. You know, it can take everything. You know, that same sense that you basically you know, intensify karma, you intensify the person pack. The one thing you do know about all this stuff is it's not self. You can leave it. It's not satisfactory, never will be satisfactory, it's never completed. You know? So let's just pause and see if you can meditate or reflect upon that particular activation. Is it really inevitable? It's not inevitable. You don't have to. You do that gradually, the, the perception that triggered you will have less and less power. Because you're not forming a feedback loop between being affected and responding. If you lessen that feedback loop, it's like an electric circuit, you cut the circuit, the juice doesn't flow so quickly. Eventually the perception no longer triggers you. It's that, it? mm. well, that's not really very good, but I'm not being used by it. So that's what I those are the things that come up in my mind. When I think of it nice sort of that question I thought, well we're not trying to get rid of the sensitivity, yeah? It's not that the sensitivity is the problem. It's the kind of grasping at the impact that becomes where the suffering is. Because that self, you know, sensitivity that then the kind of view of self is incredibly painful. It's like a very painful contraction. So in my experience of that, it uh, arises a lot 
you know, it will arise a lot in relation to, to other people, yeah? You know, the trees don't seem to raise it in the same way. The little pussycat doesn't do it. It's in relationship it can arise. And what I find really helpful is just to actually bring some space in. You know, to like I don't say that put a pause at space. And this is not a mental investigation, but really just seeing the causality of things, yeah? You know, that you know, what is happening is an actually whole field of process. And we can take it really personally and point it back, but actually it isn't and never was. It's, it's much bigger often the fact that things that are affecting our sensitivity than just here. Yeah. So to get more space around things. And the heart cultivation we're talking about at this time is really protective for this because then when that sensitivity starts to tremble and contract, we're really, we've become attuned and we notice that and we know we've picked up something incorrectly. So there's been a mistake in our apprehension. So then, oh, okay, what is needed here? And that gentleness, opening, calming, taking care, really establishing again a sense of well-being, okayness. It's not personal. It's just here. And then we start to understand how we get caught. The beauty of being on retreat is you can slow these processes down. You know, as I was saying the other day, you know, if you really slow it down, you see that some of the very sense of me arises out of hindrance. It arises out of contraction. So, you know, it's it's the very opposite of the kind of assumptions, and that starts to free us up. We get insight into the whole mechanism of self. You know, we take this time we've got now just to slow these down, notice when these processes are happening and start to understand them better. And that really becomes protective in all our engagement, yeah? Oh, yeah, this contraction is happening. What happened, you know? Gentleness, inquiry, opening seems to be really helpful. But not to rub out the sensitivity. Yeah? Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. yeah, coming out of the personality world is it's kind of death you know, experience. And I can't follow my compulsions. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I ought to, I can't. It's like a certain, almost like a death. So it generally feels much better when you finally died. <laughs> so it's for your compulsions. You can't have things go the way you want them to, the way they should be, and, and then, then you get nasty and fed up and, uh, and then you just die. <laughs> of course, then you realize something that doesn't die when the, when the personality kind of has to give up. Oh, oh, something doesn't die. <laughs> That's what we're here for. Yeah, that's right. In a way, we have to 
they manifest through the forces of personality and body and things, yeah? So it's not to get nasty with them either. Kind of friendliness with what it means to be in this kind of form and incarnation, you know? Oh, yeah. And it really leads to the next question that came through. There's a lot of discussion and initiatives on human enhancement, radical changes to human body, mind as we know it, enhancing memory, cognitive capacities, bodily functions. You know, how does this fit with right view and the practice of being with things as they are, harmony, embodiment? Yeah. So we, you know, I think it's very back in this in this question around self view, isn't it? Yeah. And the, the sense that this being, the shape, in a way, conditions have brought it into, there's something wrong with it and it needs changing. So it has a lot of hostility in it. And what, what I really see as practice as well, meditation, you know, sometimes people talk to me about things and think, oh, they've picked it up in a way with harshness. Yeah, they've picked it up because they think there's something not wrong with them, that there's something wrong with them, yeah? And they're trying to straighten themselves out. And, you know, this is something I think we all have to really guard against. We come out of hostility to this manifestation, yeah? And we start attuning to the to the chitta, the really deeper forces of awakening. And then on the surface of things, this body, this personality, you know, in a way, here am I incarnated in it. I have a responsibility to care for it, yeah? So I don't know about enhancement, but trying to keep it at least at a reasonable level of fitness and okayness. Then in terms of out of compassion, there may be things I need to understand and work with in terms of how personality manifests. But it's not not out of aversion, yeah? It's out of this tender regard for what it means to be in a body and a heart and in relationship with the world. So, yeah, there's tremendous pressure to change what we look like, change how we act, change how we who we are, yeah? I don't know, Teach and I were talking before, and I was saying the whole thing that came to the kind of Zoom world of people needing to get their faces fixed up. <laughs> and you think, yeah, there's tremendous vulnerability in bringing the sensitivity to being seen, yeah, to being in contact with the rest of the world. And I you know to come back to that, that what it feels like to be tender yeah? and how do we look after that tenderness. Not to really sense when there's hostility there, ill will, not wanting, what's needed. And we're so trained to believe in the judgments and criticisms here. So to really see them for what they are and put them down. And it's not that we're not open to feedback, yeah, but we're, we're sensitive to the 
love and kindness and uh, that it's coming from. So if it's hostile, we're careful. If it's kind, we consider. Yeah. It's just a few reflections from this mind that hasn't quite woken up. <laughs> Well, I think I checked out of the enhancement program quite a few years ago. <laughs> I was ever in it. <laughs> and I, it's kind of sometimes it's comical, sometimes it's, it's tragic actually. It really is tragic to see the horror, you know, the, the terror and the fear uh, and the lack of self acceptance that people have. You know, and uh, you know, people are trolled. They're not adequate or socially gifted or physically looking this way or got the right clothes and you know, kill themselves. They can't. You know. Particularly teenagers, very, very dangerous. Enhancing, it's called enhancing, but pumping up, kind of, you know. And it's, it's, yeah, so it's, um, you know, we're, we're really, that's why we say, look, you know, just start with the depth. Start with your deep, go inward, go to the depth, you know. Start getting your good stuff there. And it will grow naturally. You're not going to create, fabricate, and titivate the depth, you know. It's like, just get there and be as genuine and loving and accepting and natural as you can in your depth. That, take that as your benchmark. The rest of it is just, you know. I mean, this this thing we're we're nature. You see, we're 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 nature. We're not we're not we're not artifice. We're nature. You look around nature. You know, it's got knobbly trees and grass and bits of mildew and things rotting and things growing and sprouting and rain. And, you know, that's that's it. We're part of that. You know, you can't really improve nature. Can you? You can't tidy a tree up or make the grass green or something. If you do, it's, it's, it's absurd. You've got to rewild it. You've got to be how it is and love it for what it is. That's the enhancement, is to be more loving for how it is. <laughs> and if anything can, you know, kind of encourage you to be more loving in this, this natural, authentic way, yeah, go for it. But don't go for if somebody says increase productivity, just whoa, get away from that one. Somebody says, oh, this will make life more convenient. Whoa, get away from that one. <laughs> There's generally some kind of lure to get you more tangled up in stuff than you ever were before. <laughs> Pronunciation is a blessing, I tell you. <laughs> but yeah, you know, like Will is saying, you know, like nature, yeah. But then, okay. You know, it's a natural system that's, you know, it needs, just like the earth needs rain and air and sunshine, the body needs nourishment, you know, it needs to be handled with care, why not? There's a sense of caring for a feature of nature rather than, you know, titivating something as an artifice of presentation, it's a completely different model. You know, and it's like, you really, really, because 
you've got debt processes and they can become they start to gradually become you know sort of improvement programs and it sounds reasonable you know you start with something like hatha yoga which is a deeply spiritual practice and it comes turns into having a slick body no that wasn't what it was about it's about getting your system organized and soft enough so you can do your breathing properly so you can get into your meditation that was the thing it's not about looking super buffed up <laughs> mindfulness can i mean can same sort of thing you know like they amazon now getting mindfulness booths where they can throw their workers in a completely exhausted chuck them into a mindfulness booth and let them chill and get thrown back into work again <laughs> A commodification of, of, of sati. Everything is tends that way. It's commodification. It's always, you know, it's a nice sunset. Oh, I just, I just peacefully coexist in a healthy, compassionate, loving way with the forces of nature. That's my manifest. That's my record. That's my recommendation to, to tackle this. Even you know, even the mind, you know, calm of mind, particular personality patterns and habits, they're not going to be squeaky clean. They're going to be lovely and weird at times. Get on with it, you know. Don't don't get too hyper about it. Just uh, accepting, loving. Uh, know what to how to restrain yourself. And, uh, beware of your salt, your tender spots. And be careful. Uh, you're not, you're not producing classical icons of perfection. You're learning how to be loving and compassionate in the way it is. Absolutely. And in that, we have to kind of guard ourselves too. You know, here am I in an aging female body, and culturally, there's such hostility to that. So, to be careful, yeah, what's taken in as the kind of messaging. In terms of yeah, the sense of the you know, work that we're supposed to do on on the level of personality and body. So yeah, to come back to what actually really matters in the precious time we have left. So it's really tricky territory because it's such a pressure. Yeah, you know, sort of a little culture around it. So yeah. We just keep we just keep moving here. So there was a question and it's quite a long question, so I won't read the whole thing, but can you offer any guidance as to what would help protect, reassure, nourish, mature? This inner, inner sense and sensitivity, what practices might benefit? Mm-hmm. Coming out of a samatha tradition practice. So, Ajahn, any thoughts on that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you, Willa. Yeah, I think the question, just to add a little bit more, was say, experiencing a sense of really couldn't find any place of safety or security. And when they looked inwardly, they got the sense of their heart or the being was like a little prime delicate deer, which is a beautiful image. And uh, 
you know, what what uh, what practices are useful. Um, well, I think you have you've had a gift there, which you get uh, these felt these felt senses, like images that arise within the chitta, which are like the chitta's image photograph of the state of your heart or your body, your nervous system. You know. There's a lot of fear in that. The deer is also a very beautiful creature, sensitive, beautiful creature in that image. And I sense, as you're regarding it, she is quite, is quite a loving attitude towards that creature. And that's, that's also very nice. So I think um, my hunch would be just wait a little longer, learn to, if you get that impression again, or that impression remains there, so like a message. And see what it, what the deer would want and express admiration, love to that creature, and offer to protect it. But you can't decide. It's not up to you to decide what it wants. You should serve it. Serve it. It's a message from the depth. It's a message from the depth. It's giving you a signal. And you can't say, okay, I'll do this, we'll do that. Just wait till it get a sense of what would be what would what would it what would it want? What would it want? What would be helpful? And just listen. Wait. And of course, stay in your body. Yeah. So really it's 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 these, these images, these felt senses are really precious and they show a real attunement. And it's lovely to hear the respect around that experience. And we're, we're just really careful. And the image that comes now as we're talking reminds me of an image I used a lot early in my practice and it comes from the little prince. And the little prince don't as many of you know, meets this fox and wants to be friends. And the fox takes them through this process of how to befriend something wild and um, almost skittish, yeah? And the sense of consistency, um, you know, that being there at the same time, the same place, just not asking anything. And you know, the fox says, well, you know, if you come a little closer, I might come a little closer. So this it's a it's a tender process of respect, yeah. Not trying to catch something and hold it or change it. We're giving time for an deepening attunement. Yeah. So and then as as in Satito's day, then what's needed becomes more and more clear. And I can hear the need there for safety. Well, the safety, the first act of the safety is not to, not to frighten, not to demand something to speak more than it's willing to speak, to be more present than it's willing to be present. We just keep creating the conducive space for it to be there. So, you know, these are things about attunement and care, aren't they? 
And what, you know, in terms of the external, yeah, making sure we're keeping good company, you know, when we're in these tender processes, that there's a a respect for the process we're in, that we're not we're not putting ourselves in places where we have to be really armoured, guarded, and um, where there doesn't feel like there's external safety. So that's the beauty of being on retreat, isn't it? You can have this contained time to let these energies become parent, befriend them, to let them to tell us what we need to know. So to really respect this time of inwardness. Maybe the next question is a support into the answer to this one, and it's what is meant by gathering of the good to deal with difficult mind states, you know, ruminating, wandering, etc. How does one gather the good? Good punya. Punya is the word. Punya, the goodness. Through the goodness that arises from my practice by that chant. So I think I did mention earlier that we weren't, everybody wasn't necessarily there, but we, there's good actions, but you don't get any, you don't get good actions, you get results of good actions. And that's slightly different, you have to linger. Uh, linger, and then it will, it will gather by itself. Now, so, you know, this comes right down to even though we meditate, you know, I talked about this vitaka vichara, sometimes called initial thought and sustained thought or thoughtfulness, things like that, and then you listen. You see. And, oh yeah, and tomorrow, oh yeah, and you listen, listen a lot. And unfortunately, many people are going, I've done that and then that. And then next, oh, and I forgot that, and oh, did I do that? And perhaps, or perhaps I should have done that, and that was pretty good, but I better do that. You're not actually taking in anything, it's moving on to the next thing. And this is part of the programming of a, of a hasty society, you know, of a stimulation productivity society. We don't gather anything. So, so we're doing all kinds of stuff, and nobody's really gathering anything. You know, so you empty out and become husks, husks, and so you want to gather things into the depth. You don't have to. All you have to do really is linger and feel it, feel the results, and they will gather naturally. Chitta is an absorption experience. Chitta naturally tends to absorb. What it, what, it, what it lingers on, it, it picks up the signal, the message, the feeling of that. It just does it. That's, that's automatic. It's an absorption system. But you've got to, give it, got to bring it there. So you actually are aware of what, what you're doing. And you are aware of the ethical or the skillful currents, those energies. You are aware of them. And then when the action stops and you finish, you actually stay. Stay in, in that same place and just feel the resonances. 
an effect. Lingering. And if you've missed it, as you probably do, then bring it back again. I was saying earlier, practice of wise reflection, wise recollection is exactly that. We recollect. Means you take something. Now, this is recollecting good deeds, and this is one of the principal forms of recollection recommended by the Buddha. He says, recollect Buddha Dhamma Sangha, recollect your own good deeds. So then, if you recollect your own good deeds, it's a lovely piece, he says, then he says, you will be happy even in the midst of your household, full of busy with children running around. You'll feel happy and comfortable. <laughs> because your heart feels is getting fed by, by the good deeds and um, the results of them. So you can linger, appreciate, deep sense, breathe out, relax. Another little tip is when you when you are touching into something with the rhythms, you know, virtue, freedom from remorse, um, you know, freedom from aggression. Armlessness, breathe it as you as you as you sense it. Feel how your breathing is. Feel how your breathing is, because the breathing will transfer that signal back into your body. It will transfer what seems to be a mental and emotional state. It will actually be the transfer it into your embodied system. You'll start to feel brighter. Uh, that's a great. That's a great. One of the great uh, features of breathing, as we said, breath, love, life. This, this is this is breath acts as the, as the link, but you have to linger to, to pick it up, and then it, it naturally bring it back. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, Vontaine. Now that sense of vitaka vichara. So, where are we? Those vitaka. What are we placing the mind on? That we're then, you know, lingering with to take in. And as you're talking, I was thinking of, you know, here, you know, I've got different family around, and often I've caught people come from me, or, and if I'm not careful, my mind can be on, oh, were they cooked enough? Could I put a bit more of this into that? You know, so a kind of discriminate, discriminative relationship to what has happened. I'm sure you're all familiar with this, yeah? Particularly if you do a lot of cooking and lots of people come. Um, and what's it like if rather than focusing on what something tasted like or was like actually on the gesture of offering hospitality, of being in a relationship with people, yeah? And let that come in, yeah? So that it was never about the food anyway. It was about the the gathering, the coming together. Yeah. So it can be really tricky. We can we can miss what's really going on because we're trained to be you know, getting things right in some way. So to come back to the deeper essence of things. And another little example of how we can miss. You know, my dad is down the road, 89, recently widowed. And he said to me, you're going to be alone for a few days here. I'll come up and I'll cook for you. <laughs> and I thought, oh, 
My dear old dad, who's just learning to cook, he doesn't need to come and cook for me. I can feel this immediate blocking, yeah? And later, you know, we talked, and he's not coming, yeah? But just can I take in that, the goodness that was offered? Or is the tendency, you know, our tendency just to block even when gestures of friendliness and kindness are happening? So how do we take these things in and let them really nourish the heart? The different gestures of love that we are giving out and we are receiving. And some of them are direct and some of them are just, they're not personal, they're nothing to do with who we are or where we are. They're just being part of existence. Somebody up in um, Kukoi didn't grow carrots, especially for me. but I'm able to take in their nourishment. Yes, I'm in this field of connectivity. And when we eat, we actually reflect on that. It's food from the earth, from the sky, that relates, connects me to millions of people. Can I take in that nourishment of goodness and connection? So... Food is just not some substance I'm eating, yeah? It's actually an energy of love. So to me, it's really about what am I noticing, what am I attuning to? And we're so often missing the nourishment of goodness that's all around us. Just a few thoughts. Thank you, Will. We're kind of up to time, so maybe we let Chito, you do what you need to do. The self improvement program requires me. Yeah. <laughs> Take a sleep. Be well. Yeah.